the most laziest guy on the planet. And that's why I do disciplines. I don't do disciplines because I'm disciplined. I do disciplines because I'm lazy by nature. What I found out early is I was into martial arts very young. But bodily, I was lazy, or I would say not a physically attuned specimen. But I came to realize with martial arts that if I can bring someone and I have someone to help me get disciplined, be my disciplinarian in a consciously selected way, by me going to the dojo, saying, yes, sir, bowing into class and deferring my own will into the guidance of someone who can take me further than I could go. I tapped into that early and I went, oh, wow, I did really well. I'm good by myself. But when I'm surrounded by people who edge me, see what I can become, and then they add and they put their pressure and their nuanced training and coaching and teaching and whatever they do, right, motivation, then it took me to a whole other level. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. Why are teachers and mentors essential for a man to live well? And why must a great leader first know how to be a wise follower? And is the secret to a great relationship separate bedrooms? In this episode, my guest Satyan Raja and I mine these questions and more for useful insights and answers that can make a meaningful difference in your life. Satyan co-founded, along with his wife Suzanne, the Transformational Training Academy Warrior Sage. What a cool name. I just love that name, Warrior Sage. Satyan's work is a living synthesis of Eastern wisdom and Western practicality, combining the power of the warrior and the wisdom of the sage to lead leaders worldwide into their highest self-knowledge, self-expression, and impact. I actually met Satyan in 2018 at the taping of a talk show on which we were both featured guests. It's called the Dr. Nandy Show. And no, I'd never heard of it until I was actually invited to be on it. I don't know if you've ever heard of it either, but check it out. The episode that Satyan and I were on was actually going to be broadcast in April of 2019. It was an episode on healthy masculinity. Now, my lady, Sylvie, and I, we were immediately taken with Satyan's presence from the moment we met him in the hotel lobby where we were waiting for someone from the show to pick us up for the taping. Satyan just exudes warmth and charisma and caring with a generous spirit that's infectious. You just feel good in his presence. I later learned that Satyan is also a longtime student of the author teacher who changed my life, David Data. In fact, one thing I really love about this interview is Satyan demonstrates the value of learning from mentors and teachers in what you're wanting to succeed at, whether it's a martial art or business or intimate relationship with another human being. Satyan shares a particularly striking story about a profound, transcendent experience he had as a young man that would have never happened for him if not for a wise mentor who instructed him to get up at 4 a.m. every morning for a time. Now, this interview is a bit shorter than usual, given Satyan's tight schedule on the taping day, 
But we dive into some really interesting topics, including, surprisingly, and I didn't see this coming, but the best, the most wise insight to the question of whether we should build that damn border wall with Mexico. It's the wisest thing I've ever heard anyone say about that issue and many others. I think you're really going to love his answer, no matter your politics on the issue. Even if you're listening to this a hundred years later, when it's not even a question anymore, Truly, his answer is timeless wisdom. We also talk about, in addition to other things, a surprising practice to maintain a vibrant sexual polarity in a long-term relationship. Satyan's been with his wife, Suzanne, over 30 years, and they've been through it all. Definitely stay tuned for Satyan's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Satyan Raja, Truth King. You know, I, I actually, as I was doing my research, getting all jacked up on the Satyan Raja juice. And man, I am jacked after spending a lot of time with you the last few days, even though you didn't know it. I heard that in an interview you did that your parents were actually kind of surprised about as a young man, you didn't want to do the traditional kind of Indian fam- parent expectation things of, I don't know, doctor, lawyer, or whatever that looks like. And, and they were kind of surprised. Yeah. But that's your real name, right? Satyan Raja. Yeah, I was born with that name. And my aunt found the name and inspired my parents to give me that name. I didn't even really know because I grew up in uh, England and in Canada. So I just hear it as a name in the back of my head like any other kid would. Not really looking into its meaning or what does it mean. And it wasn't until I was in my early teens Mm. that I started inquiring and got involved in spirituality and consciousness to find out, hey, mom, dad, what does my name mean? And then they told me and I was like, and I went, oh, wow. And that's one of the major themes of my life, it turns out, to, you know, how can I cultivate this honesty and reality and being truthful with life? Yeah. So I think I got a curse and a blessing with my name. Because, <laughs> you know, if I'm full of shit, then I will get my name. Well, well that's what surprised <laughs> me is, is as I was listening to you, you were telling some of your early life story to another interviewer. And yeah, you pointed out that my parents didn't, you know, they were a little surprised. Like you were watching Bruce Lee and, and studying these really great martial art teachers and these wisdom teachers, these wisdom men. And, and I'm thinking, well, if your parents didn't see that coming when they named you, Satyan Raja, Truth King, little bit of an incongruence in my experience. Like they should have seen it coming, man, is all I'm saying. So <laughs> my parents are incredible and yeah. they are, they've been a backbone and a support to my life. I'm very blessed to have them. They're still alive? Still alive. They're in their 80s now. And they've just shared with me, I mean, obviously the way they live their life is mm-hmm. a transmission of integrity and They've always been full of family values and hardworking immigrant parents. And I, mm-hmm. I got really the backbone, you know, I can pump up my parents for hours. You know, I talk about my spiritual teachers, but my first spiritual mm-hmm. teachers are my wow. mom and dad for sure. It's really nice to hear, man. Cause I don't hear that often. Yeah, certainly. I mean, gosh, there's a, I mean, there's all such a nuanced experience here. I mean, our parents are always our spiritual teachers, no matter what lessons they're teaching us consciously or otherwise. Well, you know, my dad had his angry time in his life where he was a very angry yeah. and hot-headed man. And my whole Raja side are very hot-headed, very temperamental. Mm. So that was part of my lesson in learning, you know, with this mm. genetic sort of fiery side of me. Learn to temper that, mature that, find a way to 
deal with my frustrations in a healthy, mm. loving, conscious way rather than what I saw. So I learned of course. from my parents, my, you know, what to do and also what not to do. Yeah. Hopefully we all do a bit of that. Is your, uh, your background, is it Hindu? I'm raised as a Hindu, yes. Raised as a Hindu. And Raja, is that Northern India that your family's from? Western India yeah. is my roots, and that's the province or state of Gujarat. Oh, yeah. Gujarat. That's where Mahatma Gandhi was from. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, but you were born in England. Born in Uganda, Africa. Oh, Uganda. Okay. Then when I was three, the whole Idi Amin crisis, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a crisis, but my parents saw the writing on the wall that mm. dictators going a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they left to England, stayed there for three years, four years. And then I came to Canada when I was seven. Okay. I'm Canadian international, I would say. Yeah. Well, you know, as I said, I was doing my research, spending a lot of time with you, watching your videos, just getting jacked up because we've met once. And I want to just acknowledge too, and I I will probably have said this in the intro, but I want to just acknowledge, man, that when Sylvie and I met you at that recording for that talk show, we were really moved by you. We really both were deeply touched by just your presence, your way of being, your clear and evident caring for just the people around you and yeah, man, you you really left a, a lasting impression on us. So, thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah. So truly, it's an honor to have you on in this conversation on this podcast. Thank you again for saying yes. So I'm getting all jacked up on my Truth King juice, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and like it's good stuff, man. My wife's not going to let this down. You know that she's probably sober, going, "Okay, I'm making a note of this." <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, what a gift they are for us. Keep us true, man, and. You know, and I'm sitting here thinking, God, you seem so damn disciplined. You know, you mentioned this question a lot in across your, it seems to be a question that you live with. And this was it. This was the question. What must I do today to live, love, and die completely without regret? Right? That's a question that I heard you say a number of times and that you offered to listeners. And I don't want to go there just yet because you also said, and actually you just wrote this recently on Facebook that extreme laziness is a part of my spiritual practice (laughs) (laughs) as well as the CEOs I coach. And I got to tell you, man, I feel it in my body. Whenever a a leader in the world, someone that I look up to and admire says, Hey, extreme laziness is okay. It's great. It's wonderful. It's important. (sighs) So the question I want to ask for you, and then we'll, we'll really dive in is, just tell me what's your chill out guilty pleasure. Like what do you do on the day when you just don't give a fuck and you want to let your hair down, even though you have no hair, like what does that look like for you? When I cut loose and let go, I like to go on my sauna. I like to go on the hot tub. Mm. I love going for walks, hikes in nature with my wife, my dog, my son. Um, although this is not relaxing, it's a bliss for me. Brazilian jujitsu. You know, people don't consider it relaxing, but to me, it's relaxing because it decharges and de-stresses me. It's a cornerstone of my life. And once in a while, I'll dive into psychedelic exploration to expand my consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, working with plant teachers and plant medicines and these type of things to explore and expand my consciousness. And I think the thing that brings me the deepest, like cut loose and, and relaxation is just being with the divine, being with, knowing that somehow I have some value on this planet that I've been brought here and I rest in that value and I just open up and 
I ask them, can I be a better conduit for love and for truth, for goodness? And when I'm tapped into that, when I feel I surrender into that, that's when I feel that my life just flows. There's so much spaciousness and there's a sense of deep knowingness and belief and faith. Mm -hmm. I think it's a combination of all of that. You know, I want to tie it back. You said, you know, you seem like a very disciplined guy. You know, what's really funny, brother, is I'm the most laziest guy on the planet, I think. I think I'm one of the most laziest guys uh -huh. ever. And that's why I do disciplines. I don't do disciplines because I'm disciplined. Mm -hmm. I do disciplines because I'm lazy by nature. Okay, I get that. I get that. It seems, I mean, look, is that something that you started or someone instilled in you then when you were growing up? Because... You know, to try to tell a lazy person, I don't know, which I, you know, take issue with the term, but to try to tell someone who's in the momentum of laziness, let's just say, yes, just start doing discipline stuff. It doesn't go over well. What I found out early on, and, you know, you mentioned that I had teachers and mentors, I was into martial arts very young. And although my body, by bodily, I was lazy, or I would say mm -hmm. not a physically attuned specimen. Mm -hmm. No one in my family is athletic in any way whatsoever. I would say I'm the most athletic. So they were more intellectuals and social servants and things like that and doctors and business people. But I came to realize with martial arts that if I can bring someone and I, and I have someone to help me get disciplined, mm -hmm. be my disciplinarian in a mm -hmm. consciously selected way, by me going to the dojo, saying, yes, sir, bowing into class and deferring my own will into the guidance of someone who can take me further than I could go. Mm. I tapped into that early and I went, oh, wow, I did really well. I'm good by myself. But when I'm surrounded by people who edge me, see the goodness in me, see what I can become, and then they add and they put their pressure and their nuanced training and coaching and teaching or whatever they do, right? Motivation. Yep. Yep. Then it took me to a whole other level. So then I got hooked on that. And I started finding mentors in various realms who could see far more than I could in their mm. area of mastery and who had the gumption to get me to be accountable to goals, to disciplines. And then once I got that, I did a little discipline, right? Like one of my teachers, Stewie Wild, years ago, he said, Satyan, I want you to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning go for a walk in the forest nearby, come back after an hour or so, and the Tao will reveal itself to you. The Tao is this great book, Tao Te Ching, we were reading from. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was young. I'm like, this sounds cool and philosophical and amazing. But he says, wake up at 4 a.m. And he got me to discipline myself and write it down when I wake up and all of that. Go out in the woods at 4 a.m. I'd walk for an hour and a half. I'd come back. Little, there's no one around and all that. And lo and behold, probably two, three weeks into that practice, I was dropped into a mystical dimension. Wow. I was given the essence, if you will, of being with nature in this sacred way. Like the sacred dimension opened up. And I came to realize that my discipline is actually my freedom. I don't have freedom and then discipline. Yeah. My discipline is the road to greater, sustained, deepened, exalted freedom. So I chose that rather than superficial freedom. I chose the deepest freedom. Wow. I'm getting chills now because there's so much to what you just said. And I think the importance, I think I'm a man, I'm 44, you know, I've been on the planet a minute and I understand, you know, there's this mentality, I think amongst men that, you know, it's, it's the old cliche. I'm not going to stop and ask for directions. I'll get us there. I know where we're going. I'll figure it out. 
<laughs> and yet, I think that there's a lot of momentum, again, in the male experience of, you know, we see this in if you're working with couples. You work with couples. I work with couples. And we see this. Men often don't come to this work until they're given no fucking choice, usually by the partner they're with who insists that who's already left or is going to leave and they finally get it. And that what you just said about the importance of really placing in a way, not your destiny, but guidance, you know, your trust in another being, another person with a vision that, and that you don't have right now to guide you. I would never get myself up at 4 a.m. just to go for walks just because. I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> That's powerful. I have, one of my, I have one of my clients, Andrea, and she wakes up, I think, 4 or 5 a.m. every day. And she does a four-hour yoga, meditation, a whole morning ritual, a centering, a goal reviews and all this. So by 9 o'clock, mm. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, she is so dialed in mm. physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know what? I like to have a full eight hours sleep. Mm-hmm. So I honor her discipline, but my disciplines are different. Yeah. So I don't look at disciplines as a comparison thing. Yeah. I look at what can I take on that I feel good about. And, you know, coming back to this piece, you know, how can I, you know, there's a lot of talk nowadays, especially amongst men work about us becoming more strong leaders, mm-hmm. conscientious, heart-based, loving, but still masculine yep. in our leadership right. yep. of our own lives, of our family lives of our direction. I think this is good, fantastic, but there's a yin and a yang. I think we need to be great leaders and great followers. Mm. If we just become a great follower, then, you know, we'll fall off a ledge if with the next Pied Piper yeah. that comes along. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So we need to know when to defer, I feel. So here's what I do for that. I look for folks who have a mastery or a power in certain realms. And when I'm with them, so for example, my jujitsu teachers, Marcus Soros, eighth degree Brazilian jujitsu grandmaster, one of the greatest in the world. And his top black belt or one of them, Benito Segura, he's my personal guide and coach. Now, when I'm with them, I don't follow everything that they say. Like I would when I was 15, I followed everything. My Kung Fu team. Mm-hmm. I look for where is their mastery stronger, greater, more mature than mine. Mm-hmm. Is it in relationship? Is it in finances? Is it in family dealing? No, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Whoa. I'm like this. Yeah. So what do I do? I got to let go and defer my ego. When I'm on their floor, I am 100% student Yeah, and lovingly and joyfully. Now, when I'm in my seat of power as a guide, as a leader, as a mentor, trainer, teacher, then I'm in that. So I believe there's a power in being absolutely vulnerable to receive and to take guidance from friends, family, guides, coaches, mentors, and to do it thoroughly, not Mm half-assed, thoroughly become a great student. Mm -hmm. And then that gives the power and the permission and the impetus and the maturity to be a powerful leader. Yeah, because if you're just trying to be a leader at the top, yeah, and you don't know what the bottom is like, then you're imbalanced. Yeah, and you're probably just going to hurt people because you're doing it because you want to be a leader, not because you really want to serve. And I think when you say the importance of being a learning how to be a follower, also, you know, my mind goes immediately to intimate relationships and the, you know, again that same idea. You know, men we should be leaders. I had this huge epiphany a few years back 
because I was trying to figure this out. Like, what the hell does that mean to be a masculine leader or a leader in my relationship and what my woman trusted my direction and all of that? And I had this huge epiphany where it really occurred to me, holy shit, she can't possibly trust in my direction if I am not in some way following her sensitivity, her lead, right? If I'm not attuned to what's happening for her, she shouldn't follow me. Boom. Boom. You know, we talk metaphorically about our women, my wife, right? Suzanne, Mm -hmm. 32 years Mm -hmm. we've been together. But I also look at existence as a metaphorical or spiritual woman, a big lady, a big metaphysical goddess. Whether it's real or not is not the point. But existence just meaning all that exists, like seeing that as... Yeah. As a big lady, okay? A big lady. You call it a big puppy dog, <laughs> it could be whatever it is, right? But, yeah. but when I look at existence, as the yogis do, as a manifestation of the feminine principle, then if the wind is blowing this way and I ignore it and I keep forcing against the wind, mm-hmm. what if I went to the side? What if I moved with the wind? Mm-hmm. So to me, direction, masculine direction is what you just said. It's the sensitivity of putting the oars down, mm. putting the rudder down where you're going, and what you just said, at the same time putting up the sails and feeling for the weather condition, mm. the patterns, mm-hmm. the emotions, the nuances, the politics. What's the vibe in this space? And aligning the sails so they're yeah. congruent with your direction rather than disaster. Yeah. I think it's a combination rudder, oaring, or power, and feeling the moment-to-moment direction. One of my other guests that I had on recent, Joshua Hathaway, said something that just so about masculine leadership that really, really just blew my mind open in a way and hadn't seen it that way before. But he said that true masculine leadership means essentially being willing to listen. When that's what needs to happen, to put down your so-called truth sword and be present and really, that's fucking leadership. And it, it was just like, again, one of those moments. Let's nuance that. And I would say to add to that, 80% of the time, listen, 20% of the time, direct. Mm-hmm. Used to be the other way around for me. I would direct 80% yeah. and 20 Yeah. Now I'm in the other spectrum where I'm listening, yeah. listening, listening. The other day, my wife was talking. And it's probably about the 738th time she's come up with the same topic over the last few years. <laughs> probably not much different than before. And I'm like, uh-huh. okay, I know this topic. I know what she's saying. And every uh-huh. time I do that at the beginning, I'm full of shit because I'm missing the truth of yeah. why would she be saying so much unless I'm not deeply receiving it. This time, as our friend Jonathan said, I put that part in my mind down that, okay, I'm listening to correct or to adjust or to direct yeah. to just listening for absorption and love yeah. sake. Yeah. That takes far more courage than just thinking, I know where this should go and I know what's going on here than being in the knowing. It takes far more courage to be in the unknowing. Courage and the ability to shut this up, shut up, shut this up, the brain and open this up, open the heart and just receive like a catcher, you know, a baseball catcher. They're not yeah. closed with the glove. They've got to be open with a glove. And then, although there's a batter right in front of them who's trying to knock the ball out, they are being so deeply attuned visually, psychically, yeah. body movements, everything to the pitcher because that's mm. the intimate relationship. Right. But if the catcher closes the glove halfway, 
even if that ball comes, it ain't happening. That's right. He's going to miss it. That that's really a great, gotta happen. Yeah, that's a great analogy. So, well, let me ask you, you know, one of the first things that you ever said to, that I ever heard you say when we were at that filming was, the secret to a great relationship is separate bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about that. Well, and let me, let me frame it this way, actually. That's the question. I'm also aware we don't have a lot of time and we, uh, let me give you an example. And, and mind you, this is audio. So, so oh, this is not okay. So we're in a, I just showed a beautiful room with my wife, my wife's room. Since it's audio, I won't go into the other room, but my room is a futon on the floor and, a, and I have my altar. Mm-hmm. And hers is this glorious, Women, red, orange colors, beautiful mm. art, uh, beautiful tapestries and all of that. Mm. So she gets to luxuriate in this sacred feminine space that she's created for herself. Mm-hmm. Me, I like simple. I've got a nice futon. What I do get, I get everything the highest quality. Mm-hmm. I get a high quality futon, really good pillows. Mm-hmm. And I try to get clothes that I not too many, just what I like, but the best quality. And then I keep it simple. And then what happens is a polarity gets developed mm. between my wife and I. We recharge our batteries of sexual desire for each other, mm. as well as intellectual desire, as well as emotional desire. So in the morning, it's really nice. Either she'll knock on my door or I'll knock on her door. And we're seeing each other as lovers again in the morning. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So what I'm hearing you describe that a lot of men kind of will create for themselves is, is their version of a man cave. But in a lot of man caves, there's a lot of checking out in a sense. What I would judge is checking out. I mean, I have that. I, I will sometimes play a few hours of video game, but it is recharging in a way. You know, I'm, I'm always more animated when I come back to my partner. I put a time limit on it so I don't disappear completely because, boy, I could. <laughs> but I put a time limit on, you know, and I make sure, though, that I do this in a, in a way that when I come back to my woman, like I am in a new space where I just want to tackle her and wrestle mm-hmm. with her and play with her and. But what, let me draw the distinction here, because there are a lot of ways that we men can just disappear into our man caves and not emerge when we come back. Simply put, I've come to realize that passion equals polarity. And polarity is the arc of attraction between yourself and your lover. Okay? Mm -hmm. And either you're attracting each other, you're neutralizing each other, or you're repelling each other. There's only three things going on. Attraction, neutralization, or repelling each other. And what do you think most long-term couples are generally doing? They're neutralizing and repelling each other. And once in a while, the attraction happens, but it's all happenstance because the Mm -hmm. artistry of how to stop doing the shitty stuff and magnify the good stuff is not taught to us, right? I mean, it's just not there in popular culture. I'm glad you're doing it. Guys like us are doing it, but very few people have learned this artistry. I call it the, what most of us are practicing is the wing it method. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is winging it. <laughs> and we're usually, which usually just means we're doing what our parents did exactly. or we're doing something in reaction to what our parents did. Exactly. So boiling it right down, I believe separate bedrooms. And if you don't have space in your place, your apartment, you're in a relationship, spend a little bit more time outside then go, go on the couch. You don't need multiple rooms and all that. Stay on the couch, go somewhere, but have a place of a little bit where your space allows you to reset your mind allows you to have space from the rest of the world. And what I like to do is I actually visually like to shut off the rest of the world. So I'll go in my room and I'll actually pretend I'm slamming the door shut with everything else, work, children, money, health, everything. 
this is extreme laziness time, extreme nothingness time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Along those lines, we'll just stay here for a minute. I know there's so much to learn. It's a big question I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you to distill it down. What do you think is like the most important thing that men generally need to learn or know to create a really thriving, exquisite relationship? Just what I shared here, the artistry of polarity creation. That's the essence of it. So recognizing what are you doing to repel your partner. Now, there's certain things. To repel your partner, you have to be in the same energy space as they are. So if both of you masculine, if she's masculine-oriented, like in a masculine headspace, getting shit done, doing stuff, and you're Mm -hmm. in that space, two North Poles will repel each other. So if both of you being masculine, it's going to repel each other. Both of you being feminine, you might have connection at a heart level, but I'm talking the sexual, the passionate connection, that'll be mm-hmm. neutralized if you're both mm-hmm. sort of flat. Yeah. To raise the energy, to keep that arc of attraction strong, you have to play those poles with more gusto, with more passion, with more energy. One become more of the ravisher. One become more of the ravishy. But don't get fixed in those roles. Yeah. Play around, toss them, let her be boss in bed for 10 minutes. Then you be boss in bed for two minutes. Let her be boss in bed for the whole time where, hey, honey, here you go. And you come in yeah. like holy surrender. Yeah. Play around with it. But it's the playful approach to magnifying the, the passion that's required is what I found. Okay. So polarity. Got it. And I think what I describe, and even outside of the bedroom, one of the things that when couples come to me and they're you know, caught in a breakdown, what, one of the ways that I often describe it is, again, the two masculine poles, it's like two rams on a mountainside, just yeah. button heads, getting nowhere and just trying to knock each other off the mountain. That's no good. So there's so much to explore that we are not going to go into. We don't have time to go into this conversation. We'll have to have you back on at another time to dive more into this. Or, you know, if you're listening, just go search Satyan Raja on uh, YouTube. He's got a lot of videos and we'll, and you'll, you'll share with us in a few minutes where we can find out more about you. But I want to ask a, a big question of you. What is the biggest challenge that you see facing men today? And what wisdom can you offer in the face of it? Ooh. Told you it was a big question. You know, this is the biggest and I'm going to go even bigger. I think it's the biggest problem is not just facing man or men, it's facing mankind, mm-hmm. humankind. And the biggest thing that we're facing is our extinction. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now, boiling it down to what we can do, I truly believe that each one of us as a man has some role to play in the betterment of the greater good. And the number one problem that we face is not knowing or even searching or even looking for or even caring about one's position and one's place in the great scheme of life of how I can become somehow better for the better whole, how I can be a good player for the betterment of the conditions of whole. I actually feel that each and every man has some gift, small, big, forget the size, how big it is, how important it is next to the billionaire who's cleaning up all the oceans. It doesn't matter. Each and every one of us, when we're not feeling and living and trying, it doesn't even matter if we're actually succeeding, that we're trying to move forward to become a better conduit for the greater good and doing it in small and powerful ways. When we're not doing that, our life dries up, our passion dries up, our purpose dries up, 
We get more drawn into addictive stuff. We get more drawn into shallow bullshit of life. But when we go realize, holy shit, life is short. Existence might be short for maybe two, three, four generations. Maybe we don't fry ourselves off the planet. So what can I do today? And that comes back to that question that we started off. What can I do? What must I do to live, love, and die completely without regret so that I feel fulfillment today and not delaying? That's the other part. The masculine mind's always thinking, if I do this, this, and this, then one day I'll be free when I've accomplished Mm -hmm. this. And that's the bullshit mindset. One day you'll never be free. You'll always keep deterring that freedom to some future date that never comes. Mm-hmm. The freedom's got to be done today. What can I do to become more free today? That's the battle. That's the success. That's the win. That's the floor to play on. When you do that, then you go to bed ready to die. You're not thinking, oh, three years, six years, 10 years, two months. Forget it. What if that never comes? Let me ask you though, because, because I can imagine there are men listening and just again, you, you know, you raise this to the level of our, of our existence as a species and you're going to have men listening that have completely polar opposite solutions to that. You know, you're going to have men listening to think that, that say, for example, yeah, you know what, build that wall. That's how we survive. And you're going to have others that say, you know, fuck that wall. That's how we survive. So how do we navigate Here's how you navigate. If it's build a wall and that's going to serve the world, then freaking do it. Don't go 90% behind it or 95% or 99. Get 100% (laughs) and fucking go out and build a wall. Uh Go up and volunteer for the bricks. And if you're on the other side and you think the best way to serve the world is breaking down the walls, then don't go 80, 90% of it. Don't sign email lists where no one's going to read them, Mm. you know, and and who gives a shit? Try to convince or band together with people already believe. Go to where there's a wall and start breaking it down. Yeah. The fact that those two will meet somewhere Uh and they'll have eye to eye contact and then they'll find Mm. that there's a lesson for both of them if they're open. Mm. If they're open. But both of them have got to be conscripted about doing 100% what that is. Right. Regardless of the belief system. Yeah. And it's the 100% involvement, which then brings maturity, which then purifies both intentions. Yeah. So in other words, quit squabbling about it on Facebook and go fucking pick up a brick if that's what you believe in. That's what, (laughs) if really. Pick up a brick or uh, what do you call it? A chisel. One or the other. Right, right, right. Build it up or break it down, but stop just, you know, at the level of mind, just squabbling over Facebook, man. All it's doing is I haven't been able to look at my Facebook feed for a couple of days because I wrote something about the Native American and the young boy that, you know, that little confrontation that happened. And that just brought up a whole thing of, of yeah. I just decided, look, I have things to be about. I am not interested in fighting that fight. So I'm going to do my work and not look at that conversation because all it did was make me angry. And all I was look, doing was making other men. nailed it, brother. Everyone and every aunt, uncle, every politician, every whatever, right, is going to try to conscript you to become an adherent to their path, their way, their truth, their philosophy, mm-hmm. their politics, their religion, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing it by somehow raising your significance. Look how cool you are. Look how believe. Make America bad. Make America good. Make them, make Kent, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I feel that as warriors, as men, we got to stop being pulled around by influential people who are manipulating our desire to be significant. Mm. And rather than find significance 
We have to surrender the desire to find significance. As Lao Tzu said in the Tao Te Ching thousands of years ago, don't always work on, oh, what can I do to make myself seen and be felt and experienced as a significant player in the world? That's all ego. Do the opposite. Yeah. Go, out of, yeah. go out of your way to make other people significant. Yeah. Or what you said, manipulating our desire to be free. Like we build that wall, then we'll be free. Or if we build that wall, then we're not going to be free. Right. So again, so it's all playing on those. I like how you said it, conscripting us into their idea. Look, what a beautiful answer, man. I think that's the best answer I've heard to that sort of dilemma about, and it's not even about the wall, but just about, you know, knowing that we're going to disagree on how these things are supposed to go and what's going to create the best world. That's what I think. We all want to create a good world, certainly for ourselves and our loved ones and our families. Listen, on this note, I gave a seminar a few years back and there was an open evening celebration, dance evening and such. So there's this one fellow who was in my workshop and a guest came in in the evening event. The one fellow had done a lot of my work is a German fellow. And there's this other fellow came in and my student looked at him and he went home and his face all went white and he comes over. He goes, do you know that this guy is one of the top skinhead Nazi leaders in Europe at my event? Mm. And I'm like, what's he doing here? So he Mm. came over and he started chatting. He had a full turnaround. What had happened was he was one of the head skinhead Nazis. Who knows? He's done bad shit. And the guy I was with, one of my students, he was fighting this group for years in Germany, anti that. They met at the workshop, at the seminar, and I had them start dialoguing, and it was a miracle. And what the miracle was, was they both, to see guys who would have killed each other 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. come to a place of camaraderie and that, hey, we might not agree on everything, but we're going to move towards a higher purpose together. Mm -hmm. That's what we got to do. We're always in choice, but if we want to survive for the next 100 years, We need to make that a priority, cooperation. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to, again, just bring that back to, uh, you know, we're talking at a very macro human existence level. But again, just in our own intimate relationships, it's about, you know, if you're going to do intimacy well with another person, right, we need to find the third way, not my way or her way or his way, but the third way, the we, the way of we. Exactly. Exactly. Which takes, again, courage. It takes, I like how you framed it. I think Marianne Williamson would, she would share this statistic a lot, of, but, but how men, we would generally, we generally, it's interesting. We need only 20% confidence in what we're saying to say it. <laughs> Whereas women need about 80% confidence in what they're saying to say it. Exactly. Right. And you know, men will speak up in meetings more. We'll talk over women and each other more. Well, again, with just 20% confidence. And I like how you kind of flip that in a way. No, I'm, I'm quiet 80% of the time now, absorbing, listening, feeling, sense, being sensitive to what is actually happening. And that's powerful. The way I like to imagine it is when I'm with other guys, I imagine I'm in a high-powered boat. So I have my rudder, I have my oar, I have a machine. I go, but when I'm with my lady, with my daughter, with my mom, with uh, lady friends, colleagues of mine, then I put my sails up and I shut the motor off. And now I become more of a sailor working with the wind, mm. working with the movement of the ocean. So it calls upon me to be much more viscerally sensitive and aware and conscientious of the space yeah. and people's feelings. Wow. 
Beautiful, man. Well, Satya, I'm gonna, we're going to move on to the final five key takeaways. Uh, again, just in the, this is going to be a shorter interview than normal. And I want to have you back on sometime and we can just dive in and go be my pleasure. Be my pleasure. so much to explore here. So the point of these five key takeaways is to give our listeners, men and women for that matter, something to, to work with immediately, some specific, and we've already covered a lot of really juicy stuff, but let's just dive right in and we'll, we'll bring it home. So first one is the key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Mm. You know, it comes back to that question. What must I do today to live, love, and die completely? And I would recommend everyone write that down, tattoo it, burn it on your forehead, put it mm-hmm. <laughs> jokingly, put it on your, on your smartphone and have it pop up in the middle of the morning. And then really take the time to not just look at that as an inquiry, but what's the answer that you have for today? Yeah. Not for next week. So if I were to ask that today, what must I do to live, love, and die complete without regret? There's two communications. One I need to make to my daughter. One I need to make to my son, and I'm going to make those. If I do those today before I go to bed, Mm -hmm. I'm fulfilled with that. So find out what yours are and do them so that you can rest. And if you're at the gym or listening to this in the car, all this will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. Brian with a Y reeves.com slash men this way podcast. Even that link will be in the show notes. So don't worry. One thing I like to do is actually when I'm working with a question like that is take a dry erase marker and put it on my bathroom mirror. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's what's right there. Idea. Thank you. I'm going to use it. And if you're really committed, do a permanent <laughs> marker. You know, I've, I have friends that, that have written these kinds of questions and quotes and painted them on their walls around their house. It's powerful. That is a great idea. Okay, I'm taking you up on that. Yours, man. Go with it. Um, number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that you would recommend the men listening to learn more about. Wow. Well, you know, we both are fans of Mr. David Data. He's one of mm-hmm. our mentors, so I would say yep. him. But one that you might not know so much of is Stuart Wilde. And he's got a book called The 33 Steps. Okay. Stuart Wilde, 33 Steps. Again, this will be in the show notes. He was one of my most profound mentors. He's passed on now, mm-hmm. but he was a mentor to Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Marianne, like a lot of the greats. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll see lots of talks on YouTube with him. Fun mm-hmm. talks. There's one on money that I really like, but check Stuart Wilde out, okay? Very cool. Thank you. Key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. Ooh, the book series called Reality Transurfing. T-R-A-N-S-U-R-F-I-N-G. Reality Transurfing. The author is Vadim Zeland, a Russian physicist, V-A-D-I-M. Vadim Zeland, Z-E-A-L-A-N-D. And Mm -hmm. and he's got five books in the series. You can order the compendium book, all five online for very inexpensive. And what's amazing is all books are free on YouTube to listen to. And what about those books? Reality Transurfing. What touched you about that? To me, it's the essence of hundreds of years of consciousness and spiritual teachings in a very pragmatic, direct way. It's so new. So take... Consider The Secret or Books on Manifestation as a very, like, grade one. Mm -hmm. This would be PhD level. 
Okay. And user applicable. It's just so powerful. I could go on for weeks about it. But the first book or the first audio, give it some time. You got to be patient. And then it, once it clicks in, it's very transformative. Cool. Reality Transurfing. It's such a cool name anyway. It is. It, <laughs> to me, it's one of my favorite books on manifestation. It is my favorite book on manifestation. Cool. Thanks, man. Key investment. Number four, key investment. In the last year, what's the best thing that you spent money on under $10,000? Wow. Vacation to the Big Island, Hawaii. Hmm. I would put up there where I went with my uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach. We spent like two and a half weeks checking out, just being with nature Mm. and having man-to-man time and very little talk and lots of communing with with nature, with the spirit of nature. Wow, that sounds divine. Wow, beautiful. Okay, and finally, key practice. Please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational that has served you well and that you challenge our listeners to take on for just the next seven days? The question, the warrior sage question, what must I do to live, to love, and to die completely without regret? Put it up on your mirror as you shared, permanent or Mm non-permanent. When you wake up, don't look at other stuff first. Look at that, absorb it. Know what that answer is for yourself. And do it by the day's end and do that for seven days in a row. Watch what happens to your self-esteem, your self-empowerment. Watch what happens to your fear. Watch it dissolve. It's it's profound, okay? You know, and I want to point out too that like when you did this just quickly earlier, it was only two things. It wasn't a long litany of all these things you had to pack into the day. It was just two simple things. Yeah. I just got to, yeah, I know I got to call my son and I got to call my daughter and there's specific things I want to share with them. And I know I'll be done. That feels good. If I get to do more bonus. You know, I do what I call a daily wins practice. And it's, these are the, the, it's never more than four things. I want to win my day and it's never, ever, ever more than four things. Cause then it just becomes a to-do list like that. And it's impossible. I can't even do it, but four you know, major significant things that I know will just basically, you know, I have some other sort of criteria for it, but essentially by the end of the day, if I get even two of these four things done, I will have won the day. Phenomenal. So I love that question. And again, we'll have this written down for you in the show notes, but essentially repeat that for us one last time. What must I do today? What must I do to live, love, and die completely without regret? Yeah, beautiful. Satyan, where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? My website is warriorsage.com. You can go there. You'll find out all that we've got going on. We've got some very powerful community activations or community dojos that we're initiating all across the world. So if you want to find out more about that, go to there. And there's a ton of my talks and interviews there. Yep, yep. I went through a lot of them. So much wisdom and and just, again, the energy that you bring, Satyan, and all that you do, man. It's infectious. It's infectious in the best way. I felt so good just getting ready for this interview. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your wisdom, for sharing, for being here. Oh, thank you, Brian. And you too. And the great work you're doing for men, for brothers, for relationships, for the world. I honor you. And uh, yeah, let's keep rocking the world up together. Okay, brother? Thank you so much for listening, and thank you again to Satyan Raja. Find Satyan, his videos, and more of his talks at warriorsage.com. 
And any links, resources, books, and Satyan Raja's five key takeaways will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash menthiswaypodcast. If you can think of anyone who might be served by what you just heard, please share this episode with them now. And then, to help more men benefit, please go to whatever app you're using to hear my voice and rate this podcast with lots of stars. They're free after all, so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.